turn to uh, Psalm uh, chapter 2, uh, if you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles provided for you. It's page 384, 384. Uh, I'll read the Scripture, uh, then I'll pray. Uh, if you're not used to f- familiar with looking at the Scriptures, uh, the big number, the Psalm, uh, 2 is the, is the chapter. The smaller numbers are the verses. Uh, we will spend many, much uh, time looking at this text. Let me start reading in the first verse. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then He rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let's pray. Father God, we ask now that you bless the reading and hearing and preaching of your word. God, we pray that you send your spirit to guide us, God. Allow the spirit to speak through me. Allow the spirit to sharpen our ears to hear your word, to hear your truth. Father, we pray that you will bless us through your word. God, I pray that there will be people here today, all of us, Lord, will seek refuge in the Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, growing up, I loved school. (laughs) I was one of those weird kids who actually liked to go to school. Uh, I enjoyed reading. I enjoyed going to class and learning. Uh, My favorite uh, class growing up was my AP U.S. History class, Mr. Freeman. Uh, It wasn't because it was an easy class. It was actually probably the hardest class I ever took, but he challenged us. He made us memorize all the dates and figures of all the people in American history. And right around the the third, maybe the third quarter, he he asked us to have a debate in class. He said, okay, we're going to have a debate. You need to tell us who is the most important person in American history. Well, as a prideful 17-year-old, I thought, I got this. Let me, let me show you my, my smarts. I said, well, it's going to be Andrew Jackson, of course. Uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, President of the United States, you know, he didn't let the Supreme Court, Judge, Judge Marshall, tell him he, he couldn't do the Trail of Tears, but he did it anyway. He defied our government. No one could stop this man. He was incredible. And of course, I'm boasting. And then this other girl in the classroom looks, and she goes, I believe the most influential person in American history is Jesus Christ. I looked at her as a, as a young Christian. I'm like, are you kidding me? He didn't. He didn't even. He never came to America, right? I started mocking her as a Christian. Jesus Christ is not the most important person in American history, but you know what? She was right. She was right then, and she's right. Today, Jesus Christ is the most important person in all of history. If that class took place in Iran, 
Jesus Christ would be the most influential person in that country's history. So what we're going to be doing in the next several weeks is we're going to be looking at one nation and how they anticipated the coming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to be going through several psalms that, that will prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord. Today we look at Psalm chapter 2. So as you, as you follow along here, I apologize. The outline's not in the bulletin. I know some of you really like that. Uh, I did come off vacation, so uh, I, I didn't have the idea, the sermon fully prepared until uh, uh, Saturday, so I couldn't have it printed off for you. Um, I'm sorry. We forgive you. Thank you. <laughs> from up front, I, I appreciate that. Uh, well, the first truth I want to show this, from this text is uh, this world, the world we live in, rejects the Lord and his anointed. Look again with me at verses 1 through 3. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their feathers. Fetters. Well, who rejects God's anointed? Right now, we know that I'll show you throughout the, the pictures of how the, Old, the New Testament authors interpreted this passage, uh, but the anointed one is the Lord Jesus. So the, who was the ones that rejected uh, the Lord and his anointed? Well, we see right there in, in verse 1, starting off, it was the nations. The nations conspire. Then again in verse 2, the kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers together gather together against the Lord and against his anointed. But notice, it's not just the kings and the rulers. Look back at verse 1. It says, why do the nations conspire and why do the peoples plot in vain? Now, can I just make a, a, a point? Kings and rulers are only allowed to, to rule countries because the people allow them to. That is a huge point. The people legitimize a government. As we just saw in our own country, having our, our, our elections, the elections did not go well for many of, of you here. Did not want the elections to happen the way they did. But you'll see that the, the reason why the election happened the way it did was because the peoples voted that way. And we as a church need to remind ourselves that we need to care about the peoples who allow governments to reign. Well, how do these peoples and nations reject the Lord and His anointed? In verse 3, we see it right there. It says, let us break their chains and throw off their fetters. The chains and fetters is referring to governmental control. We do not want to listen to the Lord or His anointed one. These people and rulers wanted to be free from the rule and reign of God. Now, if you you, you see that happening all over our country, we, we have government systems that are against the word of the Lord. The two prominent ones in our day are are, are, are pro choice or abortion and homosexual marriage. Those are the things that our government says should be more. We should have more of that, not less. That is against the word of the Lord. That is rejecting the rule of God. That's only in our country. But this is happening in countries all over the world. 
things that are against God are allowed to be propped up. But I want you to see something here. Look back at verse 1. It says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? You know, I think it's very easy when we see all the things happening in our, in our culture, in, in, in the world, to us be, being like, woe is us. Well, we, are, we are distraught and discouraged because what is happening. Now, should we be concerned? Absolutely. But should we be without hope? No. Because these worlds, these, these nations, these kings, these rulers plot in vain. Vain is useless. It is empty. These nations think that they are proud. But when you go against the Lord, you can do nothing. You do, can do nothing outside of what the Lord allows. Their cons- conspiring and plotting is useless against God. Acts chapter 4, the apostle Peter references this verse. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen uh, behind me. Acts chapter 4 Verses 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, Sovereign Lord. They said, You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Right? And what does he quote? Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. The passage we just read, verse 27. Peter interprets that. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate meet together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Jesus was going against by the nations. Verse 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now the Lord considered their threats and enabled your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Well, just a few points from that passage. One that we see the anointed one in Psalm chapter 2 is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one looking, uh, that the, the nation of Israel is looking forward to was the Lord Jesus. But I want you to see something here. That the people who murdered our Lord, Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, when they conspired against, look at verse 28. It says, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. God was not out of control when Jesus Christ was crucified and killed and buried. The worst sin, I read this this week, the worst sin ever committed was that sin. And that sin made an end to all sin. They couldn't understand it when it was happening, but God showed them the victory. And can I just encourage you? When we, when we don't fret 
don't worry about this nation. Don't worry about the, the other nations. Trust in God. God is in control. Our job, as the Apostle Peter says, is to speak the Word of God with boldness. We have often been under the illusion that if we can change our government, we can change um, our, our culture. But you know how you change your culture? You change the people. The people should have different desires. They should want different things. And the only way that people's hearts can change is that the people of God pray to God and ask for boldness to speak the word of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We move from death to life, from darkness to light. That is the only way our culture is going to change. So the next time we we are, are quick to bash our government or our leaders, can I encourage you when that thought goes into your head, say, let me not bash our leaders, let me share the gospel. Let me talk to my neighbor about Jesus. Because that, that was the, the, the plan from the beginning. Second truth I want to see from this text is that this world is rejected by the Lord and His anointed. Look back at Psalm chapter 2, verses 4 and 6, 4 through 6. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this response of the Lord. He sees these, these nations beating their chests and conspiring against him. <laughs> he looks at them and he just, he just starts laughing. He just starts laughing. Are, are you guys serious? You really think that you can do that? Uh, it reminds me of when my children uh, get angry uh, and, and disobey. Uh, they get so mad sometimes, and they get so frustrated, and they want to, I'll show you what I can do. You can't do that. And sometimes all me and my wife can do is this. <laughs> because it's so comical that your words obviously cannot happen. That's the Lord's response when it looks at these nations. Now, you're going you're gonna to hear and see many people proudly beating their chest about homosexual marriage. Proudly beating your chest about the pro-choice movement moving forward. But can I tell you, the Lord laughs. The Lord laughs. He does. But watch what he does next. The Lord scoffs at them. Not only does he laugh, he scoffs. And then he rebukes them in his wrath, in his anger. And how does he terrify them? How does he make this nation's trouble? After laughing, he comes back with anger because they're against him. And what does he say? He says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. You conspire against me. You plot. But can I just tell you something? I have established my king on my holy hill in Zion. There is one who already reigns. This was reminding us of 2 Samuel 7, verses 11 through 14, the promise of this divine king coming. It says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. God speaking to David, When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. 
He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. This was the hope of the whole Old Testament, that there was going to be a divine king to come, who his kingdom will last forever. This is why, as Christians, we cannot love our nation more than the kingdom of God, because this nation, although it is a great nation, will be shaken. This nation of America will not last forever. But as God's people, serving the king who's established his kingdom, we are part of a nation that will never be shaken because our king has been established by God. This world, point three, is now ruled by the Lord's anointed. This world is now ruled by the Lord's anointed. Verses 7 through 9, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, this is the the servant, the Messiah, the, the, the anointed one speaking. He says, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. I will rule with them with an iron scepter and I will dash them to pieces like pottery. Now, that language, I have become your father, other translations, it says, I have begotten you. Uh, well, if you want to look at the screen behind me or turn again to Acts, which helps us interpret this passage. Acts 13, verses 26 to 33. It says, Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Let me stop there for a second. If you're here today and you're a visitor, what I'm about to read is the message of the Christian faith. It's what we put all our hope in. Listen. Verse 28. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, meaning that Jesus was perfect, not a sinner. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled death sentence. They asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. We believe that Jesus Christ actually lived. He's not just some divine myth. He was a literal, real person who walked the face of the earth, who lived, who breathed, and who died. And this is our hope, verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. So what they're saying is that God has fulfilled his promises to us by raising Jesus from the dead. Now listen, what he quotes. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God gave all the authority of the inheritance of the Lord to the Lord Jesus Christ at his resurrection when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So when I look at, at everything happening in our nation, everything happened around the world, I know that my God has been established in Zion, on the holy hill of the Lord. He stands ready to judge. And how will he judge? How will he judge? Look what it says in verse 8 and 9. I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. Now this should not be anything new. We spent how, much, how many weeks in Colossians looking about the majesty and the glory of God, how he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Everything is already the Lord's, but it has now been given to him because, because of his resurrection. But verse 9, he will rule them, the nations, the earth, with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. What Egyptian kings used to do, they used to gather their, uh, their council together and they'd have different pieces of pottery representing different nations. And the ruler would take an iron scepter and smash the pottery to pieces as a sign to all those around him that the nation will be utterly destroyed. I have given my pronouncement, my judgment against them. Because once pottery is destroyed, it's done. You can't put it back together again. That's the picture here. The Lord holds the iron scepters. And to these nations, he's going to swing. And like pottery, they will be utterly destroyed. Unable to be put back together again. This is why, as a church, I keep on trying to get you, get your eyes off of this world. We cannot have our hope in this world. If you have your hope in this world, you will be disappointed. That's why I'm saying look up. Look up to the the world that's to come. The life that's to come when we are with God forever in glory. That is our only hope. And when you think about the greatness of this God, how this God has the power to destroy all nations, how the ends of the earth are his possessions. Last point. There's only one proper response. This world must seek refuge in the Lord's anointed. This world must seek refuge in the Lord's anointed. So after David goes through this and talks about the Messiah and his his reign and his rule, verse 10, he's addressing back these kings and these rulers. He says, Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers, of the earth. It's, it's kind of like when you see those signs, uh, when you're, you know, walking around, you see that sign, enter at your own risk, danger ahead. Well, David's already given you the danger. When you're against the Lord, you are against the Holy One of God. There is danger there. Do not go that way. But if you must enter knowing Enter knowingly. Be wise. Be warned. Before you walk the way of this world, understand that there is one who is against you. This is why we need to share the gospel. Because we believe as Christians, without Jesus, there is no hope. There is no hope in good works. There is no hope in other religion. There is only hope in Jesus Christ. Christ in God's anointed. He says, therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. 
and the proper response of everyone who understands who God is and the power that he has, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as I have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his purpose. Beloved, we must never lose sight of how powerful God is. Even as a Christian, we should always be reminded about how the goodness of God and his strength and his power. Well, as we move to close, look at how it ends. It says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you just be destroyed in your way. Kiss the son was, was, was an idea that one responded uh, to an Assyrian king by kissing their feet. You, you, you submit yourself to him, you pay him honor by bowing before him and kissing his feet. That's what we, what we all must do to the Lord. We all must come not with pride, not with all that we've done for you, Lord, but we must come and bow and submit our lives to him. And we say freedom does not come free. Our freedom cost God his son. He made a way for us. But Jesus will not be mocked. There is only one way to God. Listen to what our Lord says in Matthew chapter 10. After sending out his disciples to go and preach the word, he says this, Do not be afraid of them, rulers and leaders who can hurt you. There is nothing that is concealed that will not be disclosed, or nothing that is hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. No submission to the Son. No kissing of the Son and submitting yourselves to Him. We find in the text, He will be angry and you could be destroyed in your way. It's the same from the end of Psalm chapter 1. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Beloved, I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to walk in the way of the wicked. Now you can leave this place and you may have time to repent if you're not a believer in Christ. But you may not. We all know that life changes very suddenly. Death can always be at our doorstep. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you destroyed in your way. One negative uh, encouragement to repentance, and we end on a positive. Look at the last verse. It says, blessed, happy, content, safe, joyful, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Are all. I love that. Blessed are all. Because guess what? All have sinned. And all can be saved to the righteous blood of Christ. The blessed life is open to all who seek refuge and shelter in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So how can you be blessed? You repent. You submit yourself to God. You trust in 
Him. You understand much more than a 17-year-old Dave Keene that Jesus Christ is the most important person in all of history. And give Him your life. Give Him your life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we will not trust in princes, we will not trust in our government, but God, that we will trust in the Anointed One. God, I pray that we will pay honor to the Son, lest He be angry. Father, I pray that we will be blessed as we take refuge, seek shelter in the Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.